Hey, peacekeepers. Welcome back to another episode of Passions or Peace podcast. By the time you guys are listening to this, it's going to be Friday the 13th. And how super kick-ass is that? Because it's Freaky Friday today. We're going to be doing another true crime case as requested by one of my pals, by one of the listeners of the show. And she is always super supportive. I love her and she gives the best constructive criticism. So shout out and thank you for giving your feedback because I've been trying to fulfill everybody's request. But it's getting a little crazy because there's kind of uh, quite a bit, a lot of you. But thank you. I really appreciate your request. Keep sending them in. And remember that you can do that through Instagram or even the Twitter. But back on the topic of Friday the 13th, guys. If you are... um like a human canvas and you love tattoos then don't forget to ask your local tattoo artist if they're going to be doing Friday the 13th flash tattoos because not only do they help them out but they're super cute and I love every single one that I've gotten on my Friday the 13th so another thing wash your hands take care of each other because 2020 has been giving us uppercuts to the throat and it's getting wild out there so just (laughs) take care of you guys take care of yourselves and everybody else. Also, for some reason, I sound like a man today. Please ignore that. Maybe you guys think I sound like a man all the time, but I feel like it's getting a little, it's a little weird today. No, I don't have the virus. Um, My throat's just always scratchy. I work in a body shop, so I'm always inhaling harmful chemicals. But today we are going to be doing Nanny Doss, the Giggling Granny. My sources for this whole thing was The Giggling Granny, Serial Killer Nanny Doss, the book by Annette Rice, Black Widow by Ryan Green, and www.thoughtco.com slash serial killer dash nanny dash Doss 9731-01. And I wanted to state those because I've seen in a lot of other places in the reviews on iTunes and stuff, people have a cow because people don't cite their sources. So, don't come at me. I'm citing my sources. We don't do Wikipedia over here. I spent a fat minute on these cases because I think you guys deserve good content. So without further ado, we're going to get right into this. Nancy Hazel was born November 4th, 1905 in Blue Mountain, Alabama. Her parents were James and Louisa Hazel. She was the eldest out of three sisters and one brother. So in total, there's five kids. It is said Nancy adopted the name Nanny in her early years of life because of how innocent and sweet she was. Nanny grew up in a time where poverty was very common. Money and food were very scarce in the Hazel home. They lived in a very poor farming community, and because she was the oldest in the family, a lot of the farming responsibilities fell onto her. Nanny's schooling was put on hold as it was not seen as a priority to her father. James was very angry and put and possessive. It is said that he refused to allow his wife Louisa and his daughters to ever dress up, wear makeup, or even go out into town. Her mother, however, was considered loving and gracious to Nanny and her three sisters. James claimed to have been so overprotective of his daughters because he wanted to keep them safe and away from harmful men. Although James believed he did this to try and protect his daughters, Nanny claimed to have been molested by local men when she was young. And when she told her father about the rapes, he did not believe her. He would act like he didn't hear her and simply brush it off. 
Although there were no claims that James ever physically abused his daughters, there were definitely signs of psychological psychological abuse. According to according to livebold.com, signs of psychological abuse include threatening tactics, ver- verbal abuse, bullying, financial abuse, constant criticism, intimidation, shaming, and manipulation. James claimed to have been trying to protect his daughters, but it sounds like mm, it was kind of it sounds like he was emotionally and psychologically abusive to his daughters. When Nanny was about seven years old, she was involved in a traumatic experience while on a train. The train came to a sudden halt, causing her to be thrown forward and slammed her head on a metal pole. She often would blame this incident for her horrible behavior in the future. And this is kind of something that I think about often, Because you know how there is like a giant conspiracy, like if Bundy would have been adopted by somebody else, maybe he wouldn't have been a killer. Well, what if Nanny would have never hit her head on the train? Do you think she would have still turned out to be a serial murderer? She would have damage to her frontal lobe. And from what I know, that would affect many things as she was growing up into an adult. Why did I say growing up into an adult? What else is she going to grow up into? A donkey? Sorry. (laughs) Anyway. And you know, like how I am with my articles, I had to go and find one because I wanted to be able to kind of share my opinion because I know a lot of you have given me feedback on that, that I support my opinions with articles and I guess it kind of helps you guys see it from a different standpoint. So in an article on very well health verywellhealth.com it states social and emotional skills that would be affected by the frontal lobe would be the frontal lobe plays a substantial role in decision making self-control and emotional regulation providing the ability to behave properly in interpersonal situations and to regulate behavior in a socially acceptable manner and then it would also affect language and I don't know how to say that, spatial abilities? (laughs) Sorry, don't call me illiterate. There are also functions that are predominantly controlled by the left frontal lobe or the right frontal lobe, along with the neighboring partial and temporal lobes. The dominant, usually the left side, frontal lobe is involved in language, rational, quantitative and logical thinking, and analytical reasoning while the right frontal lobe is involved with creativity, imagination, institution, curiosity, musical, and artistic ability. The symptoms of damage to the frontal lobe can vary because there are so many functions carried out by the frontal lobes. These symptoms may include one or more of the following. Weakness on one side of the body or one side of the face, falling, inability to problem-solve or organize tasks, reduced creativity, impaired judgment, reduced sense of taste or smell, depression, changes in behavior, low motivation, low attention span, easily distracted, reduced or increased sexual interest, or peculiar, I can never say that, peculiar, yeah, you guys know what I'm saying, peculiar, I don't know, (laughs) sexual habits, and impulse or risky behavior. So there is definitely that possibility that maybe she would have been a different person had this accident not happened to her. 
As Nanny grew older, she would dream about meeting a man who would sweep her off her feet. She dreamt of having the perfect fairy tale ending. She would lock herself away and read her mother's romance stories and the Lonely Hearts column and would imagine life with her perfect husband wishing she could escape. When Nanny was 16, her father had pressured her to marry a man she had only known for about four to five months. They met at the linen factory where they both worked. His name was Charlie Braggs. Although they knew one another for a short period of time, they married in 1921. Nanny was excited at first. She believed Charlie would be the one to sweep her off her feet and give her the life she had always dreamt of. Unfortunately, her life would be far from perfect. She struggled with her mother-in-law and claimed she took over her life. So instead of her father James running her life, now she had to deal with Charlie's mother. From one possessive person to the next, Nanny struggled to feel free. She was not allowed to go outside the house and could only speak to people that Charlie's mother allowed that Charlie's mother gave her like permission to talk to other people. <laughs> I know that made no sense, but the way I worded it in my notes just didn't make it made worse sense. So I'm going to save myself the embarrassment and just clear it up right there. Charlie was not a saint either. Despite having four kids together, he, con- he was constantly unfaithful. This was far from the fairy tale life she had planned for herself. She felt betrayed and took up smoking and drinking to deal with her reality. After her arrest, Charlie had claimed Nanny was dangerous when she was angry, claiming he would, quote, not eat anything she fixed or drink anything in the house, end quote. In 1972, Nanny's first two victims were her own flesh and blood. Charlie came home to find two of his daughters crying in pain. Doctors had told Charlie it was food poisoning, and because they believed Nanny's story, the girls were not given an an autopsy, allowing Nanny to get away with murdering two of her daughters. Charlie, however, did not believe Nanny. He took his oldest daughter and ran away with her. I'm not sure why he would only take one of his daughters and leave the youngest in Nanny's care. I still wonder why she would kill the middle kids and why she left the oldest and youngest alive. I don't care how fucked up your childhood is, it's never an excuse to be a piece of shit. And, um, sorry, I forgot to mention that, um, she would poison her children, so it was like giving her children rat poisoning, and then back in those days, it looked like symptoms of the flu or just common things that were going around, like, for example, how they said it was food poisoning. You can't really tell that it was poison without an autopsy, but because Nanny played this innocent, poor, supposedly uh, very... I don't know how, how how I would say that, but she played the victim well, and they thought that they wouldn't give the kids an autopsy, so she got away with it. A year after Charlie ran away, he came back to ask Nanny for a divorce. He offered to return their daughter if she would give him the divorce, and how messed up is that? If he, If he knew that she killed his two children, why would you be so selfish and bring her back? Nanny would have four more husbands after Charlie. He was the only one out of the five to live. Nanny moved back to her mother's and began working at a cotton mill to try and support her two daughters. In her free time, she would write responses to lonely men on love ad in magazines and finally found one whom she thought would give her her fairy tale life, 
Two years after her divorce from Charlie, a man named Frank Harrelson swept her off her feet in the letters exchanged between the two of them. Frank did not care that Nanny was a single mother and was always very poetic and romantic with Nanny. At 24, she moved to Jacksonville and once again got married. Unfortunately, the person Frank was, Frank was in the letters was different from the person that he was after they married. Frank was an alcoholic with a criminal past. He no longer recited poetry to her or called her beautiful. He would beat Nanny when he was intoxicated, and like the husband before, and like the husband before him, he was repeatedly unfaithful to her. Despite all of this, the marriage lasted for 16 years. And I'm sure it was hard for her to leave because I bet she felt like she had no other options, just like today's abusive, manipulative, manipulative relationships. And I'm not trying to give her like an excuse because she's garbage, but she left her hometown to be with him. Back in those days, it was hard for single women, especially mothers, to even find a job where they were able to support their children and themselves. So I guess... I can understand why she felt like she had to stay. In 1945, her eldest daughter married and had a son, whom she named Robert. It is said that Nanny was a great-grandma and would tend to her grandchildren when her and Frank were not intoxicated. Nanny took out a life insurance policy on her grandson, Robert. And that is awfully suspicious. Like, why would your grandma take a life insurance policy on you? I don't know. Robert was often left with Nanny, and one day he mysteriously died. The cause of death was ruled as asphyxia, and like her two daughters before, no autopsy was performed. She collected his life insurance shortly. It is claimed that Frank said It is claimed that Frank had said at Robert's funeral that he was next. Malvina, Nanny's eldest daughter, was convinced she had seen her mother kill her second child. She claimed she saw Nanny stick a hat pin into the infant's head and killed her. Unfortunately, Malvina never went to the police because she thought the police would not believe her because she was so drugged up after she gave birth. Nanny never confessed to this crime. And if she were to confess to this crime, um, it would be the only crime in which she didn't use poison. Shortly after the death of her two grandchildren, Frank came home completely wasted and raped Nanny. This crossed a line for Nanny. She had found his flask and poured arsenic into it. Shortly after Frank died, the cause of death was ruled as a natural cause, and once again, no autopsy was performed. What I have a hard time grasping is why no one would even suspect that something was suspicious with her five people had have died around her and no one has even had the slightest suspicion i know all about about bad luck like i i know what it's like to be unlucky with life but no one can possibly be that unlucky that you wouldn't be suspicious that five people have died around her Nanny traveled to Lexington, North Carolina, and I wasn't going to say it, but here in my notes, because I'm a dork, I literally wrote uh, the song that's like, North Carolina, come on and raise up, take your shirt off, twist it around your head, spin like a helicopter. <laughs> you guys totally know. You guys gotta know the song, Pity Pablo. It was, I think it was called Raise Up. And every time you hear North Carolina, if you don't sing that in your head, are you even human? Sorry. I wasn't going to say it, but fuck it. This is my podcast and I can do what I want. (laughs) 
Anyway, she was searching the Lonely Hearts column and found a man named Artie Lanning. They met with one another, and just a short three days later, they were married, which is wild because I was single for two and a half years after I broke up with my last man's, and she found one in three days. (laughs) How sad. And she was an old lady, but I guess... I I don't know, people were lonely back then, or still are, I don't know. Nanny really knew how to pick them. Artie was an alcoholic and constantly unfaithful, unfaithful to her, just like the rest. They were married for only two and a half years. When Artie died, and I say that with air quotes, in 1950 from what was seen as supposable heart failure, once again because of his excessive drinking, the doctors did not perform an autopsy. Nanny stated that Artie's last words were, quote, it must have been the coffee. So I'm assuming that he, in his last moments, he knew that she drugged him. And how sad would that be to see that your wife killed you? A few days after his funeral, his house burnt down and the insurance money went to Nanny. The house would have went to Artie's sister if the house had not burnt down. Nanny then went to live with Artie's mother. Sadly, Artie's mother died a few days after Artie. It is unclear what the cause of death was. No one knew what had killed Artie's mother until Nanny confessed to her murder. Of course. And because of her age, doctors did not do an autopsy. Like, why? (laughs) Why? This is what, seven? I think we're at seven people now. And People are just brushing it off. And I understand that, okay, she moved to different places, so, you know, maybe they couldn't connect the cases or whatever. But even when somebody dies and then the house burns down and then the mom dies, that's three suspicious events in a few weeks, a few days. Like, obviously, there's something wrong here. Nanny then went back to Alabama to live with her sister, Dovey, who was dying of cancer, and Nanny took this to her advantage. This was a great great excuse for her so she could pretend to be a caretaker for her sister. I'm sure a lot of people just thought Nanny had an unfortunate life when in reality, she was killing all these poor people. Nanny later confessed to killing her sister, Dovey. And in 1952, Nanny decided to go through a dating agency and met a man named Richard Morton from Kansas. Richard hardly ever drank and treated her remotely and treated her remotely well. They married shortly after, and in 1953, Nanny's mother Louisa was introduced to Richard. He was different than her past husbands and actually tr- and actually treated her well. A few days into her visit, Louisa began having flu-like symptoms and her mother died. Nanny also confessed to her murder. No surprise there. Three months after her mother's death, Nanny found out that Richard was continuing to see an old girlfriend, and he too became, air quotations, ill and died. I'm just really shook at this point because what the hell are these policemen and doctors doing that nobody is performing autopsies? I understand times were different then, but you can't tell me that one single person was not skeptical. In 1953, Nanny met Samuel Doss. Samuel's wife had died along with his nine children, so he left Oklahoma for a fresh start. They married a few months after meeting in June of 1953. He was a minister but controlled expenses, and this was obviously not cutting it for Nanny, so she threatened to leave him unless he gave her access to his accounts. She then took out two life insurance policies on him, and a few months later, after eating a prune pie... Samuel got sick. 
which grows prune pie, ew. Luckily for him, he was able to go to the hospital in time and he got better. This aggravated Nanny and she put a heavier dose of arsenic into Samuel's coffee and Samuel died in a matter of minutes. Doctors became suspicious and finally performed an autopsy. They asked Nanny for a consent. They asked Nanny for consent to do an autopsy and she allowed them to. She obviously had become cocky after all these years of not getting caught. It was said that there was enough arsenic to kill 40 horses found in Samuel. So this caused investigators to dig deeper. Finally, Nanny would giggle and dodge every question the investigator would, would ask. They were able to look into Nanny's past and found marriage certificates and tracked her moves. She confessed to killing her four husbands, her mom, her sister, her grandson, and her mother-in-law. The press dubbed her the Giggling Granny because she would laugh during interviews and when talking about people she killed. She pled guilty on May 17, 1955. A judge, a judge declared her insane, so this spared her from the electric chair. The judge later explained that he didn't want to set a poor precedent sorry, by executing a woman. So basically, her being a lady spared her from the electric chair. Nanny gave an interview a few years after she had been sentenced to life in prison, and she cl claimed, quote, I lost the desire I had to live. She said she attended church every Sunday and hoped the Lord would take her soon. Luckily for her, but unfortunate for us, Doss died of leukemia on June 2, 1965, on the 10th year anniversary of her incarceration. So she didn't really get to serve out a lot of her sentence. She was buried in Oak Hill Memorial Park in McAllister, Oklahoma. I was going to say Oklahoma. Anyway, there was a lot of mess ups in that. I'm sorry, but my voice is super cracky and I I'm telling you, I sound like a man. But there you have it, my children. Nanny Doss, the giggling granny, super messed up. And shout out for it being a request. I've been working on fulfilling all of them, but I want to keep it random because this is literally a podcast about everything. But I want to be able to keep this a safe space for everybody and cover a wide range of topics so that everybody's welcome and nobody feels left out. So if you would like to get in touch with me, I'm the most active on Instagram. So at Passions or Peace Podcast, you can hit me up on, hit me up on there. And I haven't really checked the Twitter, so I'm sorry about that. But I doubt there's anybody following me. Anyway, my Mexico supporters, I see you over there in Chihuahua, as well as in Anchorage, Alaska, and all you lovely people in between. Just so you know, I know I'm looking at the statistics, and I love you all, and thank you for coming back every single week for another episode, even though I am just the weirdest host probably ever. <laughs> Remember, if you would like to support the show, that you can find us on Patreon. And guess what, you guys? We're now on dun, 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 Google Podcast. Woo! And the thing that had me so hyped about Google Podcast was um, all the other ones, you just got to like submit to the directory or whatever. And then they'll like approve you in like a day. But for Google, they have to go and see and find your podcast and see like if it's in high demand or whatever and see like if it's popping, then they'll add you to Google Podcasts. And I was like, oh my God, we made it. Woo! Thanks, guys. 
<laughs> Remember that my personal snap is Cindy Marie 1116 You can send me a request and say that you're a peacekeeper, fam, and let's chat. But I feel like I've really rambled on, but it just feels really good to be back here because it's been like a week since I've gotten to record. And I am just so thankful to you guys because these listens are skyrocketing and it's really just... <sighs> I am so glad that I get to share such a crazy passion with you guys and that you guys continue to come back every week and listen. So I love you guys. Stay peaceful. Stay passionate. Remember to take care of yourselves, please, especially in this crazy time. Wash your hands, wash your ass, and stop, please, for the love of God, stop buying all the damn toilet paper because I'm tired of buying $19 packs for 12 rolls. It is there's no justice. <laughs> there is no justice. I love you guys. I'll see you Monday. And I'm so excited for Monday's episode. I love you. Bye.